Uh, welcome to Cornerstone. If this is your first time attending or maybe you've uh, coming back from vacation, etc., uh, welcome back. We're glad you're here. I'm Neil Jones. I'm one of the elders here, and I'll be doing the teaching today. Now, you regular attendees, you're probably wondering why I'm up here and not Tony. <laughs> All right, I got you. <clears throat> All right. I have her permission. Teresa tested positive for COVID. And uh, she's a little under the weather, and apparently uh, Tony is a little, also a little bit under the weather. So you got me. <laughs> and they're doing okay, but uh, if you want to say some prayers for them and speedy recovery, that'd be fantastic. Now today is a special day. It's Father's Day. How about a big round of applause for all the fathers today? Thank you, thank you, all the fathers. Now, just if there's a few gentlemen that uh, aren't in fatherhood, we want to respect and honor you as well. Okay, good. And in uh, the foyer, <laughs> in the foyer, uh, after the service, there's going to be root beer floats. That's right, root beer floats. Uh, Jessica and Amber are uh, going to be providing that. So. Sounds like good time. Uh, let's see, is anything else? Oh, in with respect to Father's Day, today's teaching is going to be on our Heavenly Father. Now, obviously, if we were going to really go in-depth, we'd be here for about a week or so. So we're just going to hit the highlights and, and touch on that. But before we do that, let's pray first. Heavenly Father... We thank you so much for your love, your grace, everything that you heap upon us, Lord, every single day, Lord. And we are just in awe of your creation, of your beauty that you created, Lord. Lord, we know and we have comfort in the fact that you are in control. Uh, you are executing your plan. Uh, the politicians and the dictators, they're not in control. You are, Lord. That gives us great comfort to know that you are in control. Lord, we do ask that you look after all the folks that we prayed about earlier and just look after them. Look after Tony and Teresa and uh, speedy recovery. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's get started. This morning, we're going to be studying about who God really is and, and uh, our Heavenly Father. In our journey to understand who God is, it is vital to understand just what it really means to know God, okay? Thinking correctly about God is of utmost importance because a false idea of God is idolatry. Remember the second commandment. Let's look at Exodus 20, 4 through 6. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, the ushers have some Bibles, raise your hand. And if you don't have a Bible at home, go ahead and keep that Bible. Go ahead and raise your hands if you need a Bible. See a few hands. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to serve them 
for I am the Lord, am a jealous God. Interesting. Okay, let's look at Psalm 1521. God rebukes the wicked man with this accusation. You thought I was altogether like you. To start with, a good summary definition of God is the supreme being, the creator and ruler of all that is, the self-existent one, one who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. I'm really happy it's wisdom. It's important to understand there's two aspects of God which is both incomprehensible and knowable. Okay? We're just going to stick to some basic points here. Incomprehensible and knowable. Let's start with incomprehensibility of God. As we want to learn more about God, we always go to Scripture first. I cannot emphasize that enough. You always go to Scripture. Not the internet, not TV, not the radio. You go to Scripture, okay? Scripture teaches that we can have a real and personal knowledge of God, but this does not mean we will ever fully understand God, okay? The Scriptures are clear that God is ultimately incomprehensible to us. No one can ever fully grasp the fullness of who God really is. Okay? You with me? It's okay. You, you can go back and forth. All right. Let's look at some Scripture. Again, we go to Scripture. Psalm 145.3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Job 26.14, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Okay, let's look at Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts to your thoughts. Excellent passage. One more. Let's look at Romans, verse 33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, and who has been his counselor? Nobody. Nobody is his counselor. These verses tell us a lot about him, his greatness, his power, his thoughts, his ways, his wisdom, and judgments. Okay, now we're talking about incomprehensibility. Now why? Is God incomprehensible? Let's look at some reasons. We're going to have four reasons. Number one, God is infinite, and His creatures, that's us, we're finite. That simply means that we are dependent on Him. Amen? Who is the Creator? This Creator created 
relationship will always exist. We will never overcome this gap between us and God. There is a gap. Two, God's love, wrath, grace, justice, patience, and jealousy are all in perfect harmony in a very complex way, which we'll explore a little bit later in this teaching. Three, the sin of man. Okay, that's a big one. The sin of man. We're all fallen. And that sin has a great negative effect on our ability to fully understand the fullness of God. Because of sin, we have a tendency to reduce and pervert who God really is and lift up ourselves for selfish reasons and not God's glory. I've done that myself. I'm sure you have too. Okay, it's just selfish sin. Four, God has chosen not to reveal some of his character. He can do that. He's the creator. Let's look at Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Mm. Now, some of the people may take offense to knowing that God really doesn't want to know for us to know all about him. Uh, We call this uh, open and transparent, and that's one of those political terms that we seem to get bombarded with a lot. This is not a political thing. We're talking about God, okay? The opinion is short-sighted and does not show the appreciation for the great wisdom of God. Again, it is our sin that gets in the way. Now, on the day that he calls us, and we're all going to die, me included, every, we're all going to die. <clears throat> we will know a lot more about him when we are with him in heaven. That'll be a wonderful and beautiful time. Amen? Amen. Absolutely it will. And we will be closer. Remember, we're going to be closer to him, but we're not going to be in contact. We're going to get closer. We will be free from the bonds of sin and be able to see him in all his glory. That's a beautiful day. But I, will, but I believe uh, that God will always be infinite and we will always be finite. Are you good with that? Are we okay with that? Okay, all right. While we're here on earth, we should be humble in our pursuit of knowing who God is because we will never fully know him. This is going to be a journey. It's going to be a happy journey as we learn more about his love and grace and wisdom. It's going to be a beautiful journey. Now, that was incomprehensibility. Now we're going to focus on knowability. If all we do is focus on God's incomprehensibility, that will adversely affect our ability to know God. That is not what God wants for his creation. Here again, sin gets in the way of knowing who God really is. Again, we go to the scriptures for guidance on this topic. The beauty of his grace and peace in our lives is dependent on knowing God. 
Second Peter, chapter one, verse two and three. My, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Who, this verse points to the deity of Christ for both God and Christ are the object of knowledge. Knowledge of God and Christ should be our greatest objective and joy. Amen? That's right. Knowing about Jesus Christ is crucial to attaining eternal life. Let's look at John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It is the center of our life in the new covenant. Remember, we're under grace. We're not under the old law. We're under grace, and thankfully we are. In Hebrews 8, 11, verse 11, excuse me, Hebrews 8, verse 11 and 12. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their inequities, and I will remember their sins no more. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. A clean slate. All the ugliness, the, the stuff that we carry around, that baggage, that thing that keeps running in a hand in your head when you really wish you could forget it, but it just keeps coming back. I know I've got some of those things. Anybody, anybody here have something like that running around? Ah, yeah, okay. God will never be known absolutely. But we can know things about him that are absolutely true. We can learn about his nature and his character. Now, I'm going to fire off a bunch of verses here. So if you're taking notes, get ready. Here we go. God is just. That's in Acts 17.31. He is loving. That's in Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. He is truthful. John 14, 6, and he is holy. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God shows us compassion. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, in mercy. Romans 9, verse 15, and grace. Romans 5, verse 17, God judges sin. That's in Psalm 5.5. But he also offers forgiveness. That's in Psalm 130, verse 4. God is working right now. This very instant in time. He's working. He's not some obscure being over here and just observing, just watching. No. He is executing his plan right now. <clears throat> okay, now still talking about God, let's move to the Trinity. Okay, all right. The word Trinity means triunity or three in oneness. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Don't bother looking for it. It's not going to be there, okay? Okay. 
in the Old Testament, there's a few faint references to the Trinity. Okay? In Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness. So what does the plural verb, okay, getting into a little English here, let us and the plural pronoun our mean? Very good. The best explanation that already uh, is in the first chapter of Genesis. We have an indication of a plurality of persons in God himself. Okay? We're not told how many persons. Could be two, could be 2,000. And we have nothing approaching a complete doctrine of the Trinity. Now, there's other passages in the Old Testament, such as Isaiah 6, 8 and Hosea 1, 7. But again, nothing about a complete trinity. In the New Testament, there is much more clear teaching in the Trinitarian nature of God. Trinitarian. I had to actually practice that word. Anyway, uh, the clearest passage is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. When Jesus was baptized, okay, remember when Jesus was in, in the river, and uh, John was there. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Here at one moment, we have the three members of the Trinity performing three distinct activities. God the Father is speaking from heaven. God the Son is being baptized and is then spoken to from heaven by God the Father. And the Holy Spirit is descending from heaven to rest upon and empower Jesus for his ministry. Now, fast forward. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he tells the disciples that they are to Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's in Matthew 28, 19. Now, let me try to explain the Trinity, what the Trinity is, and how best to visualize the Trinity. <laughs> Some of you probably know that I'm a land surveyor. So, mathematics and geometry... You know, that, that's very close to my heart. So we're going to get into some mathematics here. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. There's going to be a test at the end to see. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Janet, go ahead and blast up our triangle. Now, this is an equilateral triangle, okay? Equilateral, equal sides, equal angles. It's all the same. We're going to have God at the top, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Now, if we take arrows and put those arrows to a circle right in the middle to comfortably sit there, okay, that circle, when you draw lines, let's see some lines, there you go. That is God. The circle represents God in three persons, okay? That's God. 
Okay, now if you draw a straight line from God to the Holy Spirit and you leave out Jesus, that's not God. Okay, you with me? If you draw a line from Jesus to the Holy Spirit and leave out God, that's not God. This is all about the Trinity. Now, guaranteed, this is a little, little bizarre, a little different to try to explain to somebody that uh, may not know Jesus. You're walking down the street and walking down the sidewalk. You want to try to explain something, try to remember that image right there. All right? Now, let's look at some scripture regarding the Trinity. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Clearly, three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, okay? All three persons of the Trinity are mentioned together in the opening sentence of 1 Peter. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Amen? Amen. Beautiful thing. Uh, we can look at the Trinity as three simple sentences. Okay? One, God is three persons. Two, each person is fully God. Three, there is one God. Okay, let's look at one. It is clear that the scriptures, in the scriptures, that God is in three persons, but each different, but only one God. This is about relationships, okay? God understands relationships because he is in a relationship. This is a beautiful thing because God understands that we, his creation, needs to be in a relationship. That is why Adam needed a helper. So God created Eve to be in a relationship with Adam. Okay. Now, focus up here. Let me have your attention so we fully understand this. Okay? The word helper in this context is best conveyed as ideal partner. Man, woman, ideal, it's not this, it's not this, ideal partner, okay? Are we all clear, all good with that? It's okay, you can, you can talk to me. Okay, all right. Two, each of the three persons is fully God. God the Father is clearly God. It is evident through the, both the Old Testament and New Testaments where God the Father is clearly viewed as sovereign Lord over all and where Jesus prays to his Father in heaven. The Son is fully God. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, clearly affirms the full deity of Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing, excuse me, and without him was not anything made 
that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here, Christ is referred to as the Word. And John says both that he was with God and that he was God. The Holy Spirit is also fully God. Let's look at Matthew 28, 19. Again, always go to Scripture. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Clearly, this passage shows that the Holy Spirit is classified on an equal level with the Father and the Son. Three, there is only one God. There is only one God. Scripture is abundantly clear that there is one and only one God. The three different persons of the Trinity are one not only in purpose and in agreement with what they think, but they are one in essence, one in their essential nature. Let's look at 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and men. That man, Jesus Christ. In James 2.19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Process that one for a little bit. Those folks are friends or neighbors that uh, you are in a... Uh, talking with or meeting with, and they say there is no God. Even the demons believe there's a God. Okay. Yes, it is difficult to put all this together, but this is what Scripture tells us. There are several ideologies, and excuse me, analogies, that have tried to simplify the Trinity. And I looked at a bunch of them, and they're all fall short and everything else. The analogy of the three-leaf clover. I'll just pick this one. The analogy of the three-leaf clover is that the clover has three parts, yet remains one clover, fails, because each leaf is only part of the clover. And any one leaf cannot be said to be the whole clover. That's what you need to remember. Don't try to simplify it. It's, it's not going to be real easy to try to explain the Trinity. Three persons... In one, God in the center. But that's what it is. I want to leave you with this. God exists as the Trinity. When the universe was created, God the Father spoke the powerful words that brought it into being. God the Son was the divine agent who carried out these words. In John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made through him... And without him was not anything made that was made. And God, the Holy Spirit, was active, moving over the face of the waters in Genesis 1-2. All three persons acting in concert for all eternity. God exists as a trinity because he cannot be anything other than who he is. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many, many wonderful things that you do every single day, Lord. 
and you keep everything in balance, and you are executing your plan in your time, not our time and not our will. It is your will. Lord, we ask that you continue to look after this world and keep your plan in existence. Lord, we do ask that you intercede and stop all this bloodshed uh, over in this war in Europe uh, that is affecting so many people. Uh, bless those volunteers who are trying to get the, uh, the refugees out of harm's way. And Lord, we just ask that all these things, in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.